Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you across our network. Shout out to our Bettendorf folks, those online, and welcome all of you here at Rock Island. It's great to be back with you after a bit of time away with family over the holidays, and I'm excited to launch our Bold Moves series. This is a conversation that's grounded in the vision for our church, as well as the reality that we all face crossroads. We face defining moments. What we do in those moments matters. It defines us. It defines those around us. Yet, yet fear and uncertainty and even very real obstacles can rob us of God's best in those moments. And, and we don't want that for any of us. So we're taking four weeks to talk about how we live boldly with God. And today we're laying the foundation with a few principles that will run through the rest of the series and position us today to do one thing. Now it's pretty appropriate that we're having this conversation at this time of year because the new year gives us a chance to have this sense of a fresh start, a clean slate, if you would. We set new goals at this time of year. And I got to tell you, I had a goal heading into the end of the year and into the new year of losing 10 pounds, 10 pounds. And I'm proud to tell you that having come through Christmas and New Year's, I only have 15 to go. <laughs> yep, 15 to go. We set these goals and we can struggle to hit them, but New Year's gives us this sense of being able to strive for something new, try, try to get something different. It, it hints at a reality. It hints at a truth, really. And it's the first feeling if you're tracking in your note guide, that most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. Most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. Uh, one bold move from greater well-being, greater health, better relationships, one bold move away from greater freedom, from victory, just, just one change, one obedient risk, one bold step, one bold move away from a breakthrough. And that reality affects more areas of life than we realize. You see, we could think about our journey as individuals in the perspective of that as we walk along life's path, we encounter crossroad moments. Places where we decide what we're going to do in that moment. We all kind of journey along, and as we journey, we encounter these crossroads, and these crossroad moments really impact or define the, the connection between now and next. When we inter intersect at a crossroad moments, it's the now and the next reality. And, and in this space, there's really four things that we can do, only four basic choices we have. One is we can choose to do our own thing. Just like I'm gonna do things my way, I'm gonna go my own way. We could choose also to do and copy, do what others are doing and just copy what others are doing or what they're saying we should be doing. We could also go backwards. We could literally just go and revert towards things that are safe and comfortable and known. Or we can actually press forward. Press forward and in, in, into the things that God has for us. Pressing forward, risking obediently with him into the seen and the unseen realities of life. And, and this principle applies to our emotional realities, spiritual realities, physical realities. It, it plays out in life in lots of ways and it literally connects the now and the next. It's the decisions we make at a crossroad moment. And most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. In fact, we've all faced crossroad moments. Do this with me. Just think of a moment where you've been at a crossroad. You've been faced with a bold move opportunity. Maybe it was a, a, a change in a relationship, uh, changing the dynamic between you and somebody else. Maybe it was a new job. Uh, maybe it was intervening in a crisis. Think of a crossroad moment you've experienced in life. You got one? 
Okay, what did you do? Did, did, you, did you intervene? Did you take the bold move? Did you speak truth in love? Or did you let it pass by? Did you let it just, that moment just pass? Because here's a reality for all of us. We all know that what we do in this moment matters. It has a ripple, good or bad, short-term or long-term. It matters. And most of us right now are one bold move away from a breakthrough. Which gets us to our second truth and our second fill-in, which is simply that bold obedience at crossroad at a crossroad always becomes a defining moment. Bold obedience at a crossroad always becomes a defining moment. The, the big moments of life, the, they, they have these you know, crossroads and bold move elements to them. They're, they're linked, they're almost inseparable because defining moments occur at every crossroads that we have and the most significant ones involve bold moves which then means that bold move opportunities always come at crossroad moments, especially with God. And we, we can't choose our own path and to think we stay on His. The moment we choose our own path or we choose someone else's path, we're no longer on His. But bold obedience at crossroad moments become defining moments. Just consider the words of the Lord in Jeremiah chapter 6. He said, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. That, that's great. That's really good. But we could also choose not to. Which is why he goes on to say, but you said we will not walk in it. The reality is that we can have this defining moment but what we do in those crossroad moments matters. They can move us forward, it can set us back. It can keep us on track or push us off track. That's one reason why we should stand at those crossroad moments and look. Stand at those crossroad moments and ask. And ask twice to act once. It's almost like measuring twice to cut once. We need to stand and ask to ultimately look as we move. Because what we do at crossroad moments matters. And our choices at those moments, those choices at crossroads, define more than the moment. There's a ripple. It defines more than just the moment that we're experiencing. You ever heard of Harold Cottam? Anybody ever heard of Harold Cottam? Harold was a wireless radio operator on the British transatlantic steamship called Carpathia. And on April 14, 1912, Carpathia was en route from New York to a port in what is now Croatia. Now, Harold was about to go off duty when he heard a radio call from Cape Cod calling another ship telling them that there was ice about. Now, Harold Cottam knew the radio operator on the other ship, so he decided to directly contact that operator to make sure he got the message. And when he did, when he contacted his friend, who was, was James Phillips, James Phillips was the radio operator on the other ship called the Titanic. When we got a hold of James, James simply said, we have struck ice, come at once. Philip verified and asked if he thought the Carpathia should turn around and come help, and the only response he got back from James was yes. So Philip immediately went upstairs to the bridge and started to explain to the officers on duty what had happened, but wireless radio was a new technology and they were skeptical, and he couldn't get them to do anything. And Harold Cotton was now at a crossroad moment, and he decided to make a bold move. He decided to go wake up the captain without permission. So he went down and he woke up the captain, and he was, the captain was mad. But as Harold Cotton began to explain the scenario, 
Captain Arthur Henry Rostrum, the captain of the Carpathia, began his own series of bold move actions. He got up and immediately, straight away, ordered the ship to move at maximum speed on a bearing to the last known location of the Titanic. They were 58 miles away. In addition to giving that directive, he also ordered that all the heat and hot water be turned off to the rest of the ship so that every ounce of steam could be directed towards the engines, and he was able to get three and a half more knots above the ship's rated top speed, sacrificing the comfort of those on board with the hope of rescuing some. Four hours later, from the radio call, two hours after the ship of the Titanic actually sank, Carpathia navigated its way through the dangerous ice field and landed on, or got on scene. And they were able to rescue 705 people. Because of the bold moves of willing to risk, willing to sacrifice, willing to fight for what's right, willing to overcome obstacles and opposition, more than 700 people were rescued that night. And when we take bold moves out of obedience and faithfulness to God, the ripple's even greater. The ripple's even greater. Our choices at Crossroads define more than the moment. It sets a trajectory, it sets a ripple that ripples over time. And whenever we choose our own path, whenever we choose to follow others and copy others, or we would choose to revert, rather than forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, there's always consequence. But New Year's gives us this sense of being able to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead and, and move towards the things of God boldly. And there are plenty of examples in scripture of crossroad moments, but my favorite examples really come from the people of God, the nation of Israel. Because it's like one people relating to another people group. I think we just can relate. And one of the more clear examples comes after the people of God were freed from Egypt, after they escaped that situation, and they were experiencing provision and protection from God as they reached a place called the Kadesh Oasis. And this is a familiar story for many of us. We've looked at this before, but... Give me a moment to do a little bit of review for those who haven't walked with us in this journey before. Is I invite all of you to turn to Numbers chapter 14. You see, the people of God reached this oasis and God told them they needed to send out a group of folks to go do a recon of the land that he was about to give them. He told Moses that and Moses got those guys together and sent them out and they spent 40 days checking out this land that God said he would give. And when they came back, they gave a report and they reported this land of plenty and bounty, but they also reported great obstacles and even giants. And in that report, 10 of the 12 individuals who did the reconnaissance said that there's too many obstacles, too many risks, we can't go. But two said, actually, God said we should go, we need to go. And, and that sparked a debate. The debate led to a mutiny. And here's what happened that very night, Numbers 14, starting with verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Now, they're asking for a different crossroad. They, they want a different situation. And they're, they're actually saying, we prefer the known of slavery to the unknown of battle. We prefer the nowhere with no purpose to the risking something now for something next. And in this dynamic, they, they begin to lose perspective. But they continue on into the next verse. They say, why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only let us fall by the sword. 
our wives and children will be taken as plunder. They're, 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 very, they're very pessimistic in this. They, they've reached this point of doubt and despair and discouragement. But here's, we all get to those places. We all know how to get there. Some of us are there today, discouraged, struggling in doubt. We're afraid of what can happen next. They continue to say, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Which is craziness. But, but, but fear is a powerful motivator. And it may seem silly that they're doing this to us sitting here comfortably today, but p- fear can be a powerful influencer. And fear can cause us to want to go back rather than to go forward. And that's what's happening in this dynamic. But they continue on and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. It's a defining moment for them where they choose not to go forward, but they choose to revert and go back. But something about bold moves, is, it's critical to understand that the boldness of bold moves is not based in the level of risk, but based in the level of release. The boldness when we take bold moves for God is not based in the level of risk, but in the level of release, releasing to God. It's not dependent upon circumstances, but about depending on God in every circumstance. Yet, one of the hardest places for us to live in life is right here. In the space between the now and the next. The space where we have started out, but we're not there yet. The space where, where it's better, but it's good, but it's not quite best yet. The space where we're tired, but there's still more to sacrifice. The space where we, we can see what looks like it's going to be good, but we're not quite sure if it is. The space between now and next is the hardest place for the people of God to live because then we get tempted to go back or tempted to turn off into other directions. It's very similar when we set a New Year's resolution. We say, okay, I'm here now, but I want to be here next. And so I set a weight goal, or I set a fitness goal, or I set a new discipline goal. We can set that new goal, but what happens here, the decisions we make in between now and next matter, whether we have that extra bowl of ice cream, whether we actually get up and go do the workout, whether we are disciplined to follow through with the task that we said we would. It's the now and the next, and this is the hardest place for the people of God to stay focused and to continue forward in risking to make that bold move. And many of you understand how that principle works. For for me, in my own spiritual journey, that space between now and next, that point when I release to God, but don't yet see the reward from God, that's hard place. That space where I I step in obedience, but I don't yet see the full blessing, that's a hard space to sit in. That space where we realize it's not in our power that it's going to be done, but he has not yet showed up in his full power to bring it about, that's a hard place to sit in. And that's the place that we're tempted to turn. And that's exactly the space the Israelites found themselves in. But ultimately, it's a space that reveals something. It's a space that shows the size of our faith. Because the true nature of our relationship with God is revealed in how we handle bold move moments. The true nature of our relationship with God is revealed in how we handle bold move moments. Israel had reached a tipping point They'd reached a limit to what they'd risk at a crossroad. They wanted something else, but they chose something less. And Numbers 14, at the very beginning, tells us that, that all of Israel was involved. But, but really, there were a few people who weren't. We know that Moses wasn't. We also know that two guys named Joshua and Caleb weren't. And if we continue reading in verses 6 to 9, here's what we can find. Joshua's son of Nun and Caleb's son of Yephunneh were among those who had explored the land. They tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. 
a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of that land, because he will, we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. This is, this is great. These are great words and great counsel. And they reveal the true nature of the relationship that Joshua and Caleb had with God. In a very similar way, how we handle our own bold move moments reveals the nature of our relationship with God. But you have to understand something about this situation. They were having a problem here because of how they looked at crossroad moments in the first place. They were choosing to assess over choosing to obey. They were choosing evaluation over obedience. They were never asked or tasked with assessing, evaluating. Well, let's go back one chapter. If you've got your Bible open, can you flip back with me? I want to go back to Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And this is not in your note guide. It is up on the screen. Let's check out what the original instructions were. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore. Send the men, some men to what? Explore. Explore. The land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Now, there's a couple of things that jump out at me in this. One is that verse 1 has five words, and it very clearly describes who's talking and who's in charge. The Lord said to Moses. But the second thing is the tasks and responsibilities out of that. Because Moses was tasked with sending. God had the responsibility to give. And the people, the men... Were to explore, not assess, not evaluate, not determine viability, not to recommend action. Yet, they end up choosing to assess over choosing to obey, and that's always dangerous. It sets us up to think that obedience is optional, or at least that disobedience is okay. Or even that we can evaluate what God wants based on circumstances, based on risk, based on sacrifice alone. But when God defines our purpose, when he is in charge, condition becomes context, not criteria. When he's in charge, the conditions around us are just context. They're not criteria. However, when we, when we're in charge, then we try to define purpose. And then condition becomes a filter. Ease and difficulty end up defining right and wrong. And Israel was using condition as a filter. And it cost them. And balking at bold moves is always costly. Balking at bold moves is always costly. Always what? It's costly. Hesitating. Being unwilling to go is costly. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's why Joshua and Caleb said, do not rebel. Balking at bold moves is always costly. It costs more than we think. And Israel paid a great price. There was a huge generational ripple. The choice not to go led to hundreds of thousands of people dying and 40 years of wandering. All the, fight, the fighting aged men, 600,000 plus, plus women about the same number died. Probably around a million people died because one generation balked at a bold move. They allowed fear to cause them to doubt and ultimately disobey. They rejected what could be based on what had been. 
They rejected the unknown for the known. They chose comfort, and it cost them and others as they lived small and they suffered for it. It's costly to balk at bold moves. It affects others when we don't make bold moves. Let's go back to a moment to that night, which is now April 15, 1912. Rostrum and the Carpathia had arrived on scene, but you know what? You may not realize that there was another ship that was much closer than them. It was called the, the Californian. And it was so close, it could see the lights of the Titanic. But the deal was, the wireless radio was turned off already. And the radio operator had gone to bed. And although there was much discussion on the bridge by the officers on duty about the strange lights of the ship that seemed to be moving away, nobody did anything. And they didn't wake up the radio operator until morning, and it was well past the time to help. It was too late. Balking at bold moves is costly. There's a ripple when we don't step into the moment and risk obediently with God. And I got to tell you, this bold move conversation is to position us to boldly chase God and his purposes in all of our crossroad moments. It's to position us both individually and corporately to live boldly and experience God's best. And we're going to talk about the specific next steps for us as a church through the course of this journey. And I can't wait to tell you, it's all I can do not just to leak some of this stuff today. But it's important for us to understand something as we move into the rest of the conversation and into the rest of the bold move journey. There are three realities that form the so what part of our conversation today. And the first has to do with something you may have heard before. You may have heard the concept that good is the enemy of great. Maybe you've, I don't know if you've heard good is the enemy of great. Well, here's the thing. Good may be the enemy of great, but comfort is the enemy of kingdom. Comfort is the enemy of kingdom. Choosing our comfort versus risking boldly always costs something. The moment we choose our own comfort, we choose our own path. It's what the Israelites did. And whenever we choose, whenever we choose our own path, we're no longer on his. Whenever we use condition as a filter, we run the risk of choosing our own comfort. And the invitation to step into the promised land to the Israelites was never about Israel. It was not about them. It was for them. The invitation to the promised land was about God. It was about his power, about his provision, his purpose, about his promise. But when we look at crossroad moments as if they are about us, well, then we pick and choose based on condition. But when we understand that they are for us and for others, then purpose and kingdom overcome comfort. And comfort's the enemy of kingdom. That's the first reality. The second is that when you are tempted to quit, remember why you started. When you're tempted to quit, remember why you started. The reality is the Carpathia arrived on scene and they spent hours working their way through the, the dangers of that ice field just to rescue people. For hours. They could have quit, but they didn't. When you're tempted to quit, remember why you started. And this is really helpful for us in our relationship with God. It's helpful when we're risking obediently with him. It's helpful in the space between now and next. And the Israelites... They forgot why they started. It was not better to be slaves. It was not better to be dead. But they somehow forgot why they started, and that caused them to be positioned to quit. If they had remembered why they had started in the first place, I think they would have made a different decision in that moment. So here's the thing. When you're tempted to quit, when you're facing obstacles, when you're facing setbacks, you're facing discouragement, even the misconduct of others that has caused pain in your life, remember why you started. Remember why you started. Because if you're willing to continue, here's the thing. God removes great obstacles through simple obedience. 
Our God removes great obstacles through simple obedience. Obedience is important to God. Not partial obedience, not delayed obedience, but, but a full, immediate obedience. Just consider what the words in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Obedience is important to God. He removes great obstacles through simple obedience. The, the, the saddest part for me about what happened to the Israelites in, in Numbers 14 is that Joshua and Caleb were right. All they had to do was take a simple step of obedience and everything would have begun to change. Everything would have changed. But once we realize our life is not our own, then we stop living with the mindset of, of protecting it and we shift to living fully in obedient risk. And that's where we thrive and not just survive. When we allow him, God is able to stir our hearts and minds until we are desperately bold for him. And ultimately, as a church, we seek to honor God with that kind of obedience. Harold Cotta may not have seemed positioned to be all that important, but he was. His willingness to act, even Captain Rostrum's willingness to sacrifice, to risk, and, and forfeit comfort of everybody on board, saved more than 700 people. Our willingness to make our own bold moves can have an even greater ripple. You may think that your life is not all that important, but you are. Harold was an average guy who, who made the choice to make a bold move. He didn't wait. He wasn't easily deterred. He acted boldly. So did Joshua and Caleb, and they reaped reward because they trusted what God had said. They, they believed God for what he had said. And most of us are one bold move away from a breakthrough. You know, one of, the, one of the realities for me when I preach, this is a constant reality for me. It's a tension that I live in every time I communicate as a preacher. I live in the tension between excitement and apprehension. Every week I share the most intimate parts of me, my, my spiritual life, spiritual realities, things that I'm living. I teach out of my own spiritual journey. There's personal risk in that, but I do so with joy. But I also do so with an understanding that I have a God-given task, to position people to voluntarily forfeit their comfort. To position people to yield to the Lordship of Jesus and experience salvation. To position people to sacrifice for kingdom realities. To position people to live into second gap ministries so that others can experience relationship with him. My task is to position the people of God to forfeit their comfort for the purposes of God. It's excitement and apprehension because people get to choose. It's simultaneously beautiful and terrifying to me. It's beautiful because God lets us choose him. He lets us chase him. He lets us pursue him, experience him. We get to choose to love him and experience that love in return. It's a beautiful thing. But it's also a terrifying reality because we get to choose and we could choose not to. And that's the very reality that Moses and Joshua and Caleb witnessed that night in Numbers 14. People choosing not to make a bold move in obedience to God with great cost. I, I love this church 
And I love these cities so much that I am incapable of allowing us to sit or drift into comfort. Which is why over the next three weeks, we're gonna be talking specifically about how these foundational principles we're talking about today apply to us specifically as a church and as individuals. Our church leadership team has been doing a bunch of reconnaissance for this next season. And, and I'm stoked to share these things with you. And again, I tell you, I'm, I'm barely keeping it in because I could leak it and I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna wait. But I'm convinced that God wants heritage to be a catalyst of a regional movement. He's clearly gone ahead of us this past year in crazy ways. And I'm excited to share about those opportunities that we have as a church in this next season. It is exciting, but it's going to take the bold moves of his people, willing to risk so that some might be saved. Now here's the thing. My ask of you today is just one thing. It's simple. I want to invite you to live out Jeremiah 6.16 this week. To stand at the crossroads and look. To ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And then walk in it. Look at the situations and moments that are in front of you this week, around things happening around you. Look to make a difference. This week, there will be bold move opportunities that God brings in front of you, people that you can help, someone who's gonna need you to come alongside and let them know they're loved, that they're not abandoned, that they're not alone. In those moments this week, make a bold move. Make your own bold move. One of the biggest, if not the biggest bold move we can make is to establish relationship with God through Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've not given your life to Jesus to have relationship with God where your past can be forgotten and removed, I want to encourage you to do that today. It's simple. You just have a conversation with God. You ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. On the back of the sermon note guide at the very bottom are, are simple steps and a simple prayer. If you've not established a relationship with God through Jesus, that's the place to begin. That's your first bold move. And once you do, then God's going to lead you into more and more, just as he leads us as a church into more and more realities to make bold moves for him. But I implore all of you, all of us, to be ready to have our wireless turned on, to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Be willing to sacrifice. Don't be found off duty. Don't be found close by but not helping. That's living saved, not sent. And we've always been a church that cares about the lost. And now is not the time to quit or to choose comfort because it's just one bold move away from seeing and experiencing a breakthrough. So my ask is simple. Take time alone this week with God to stand at the crossroads, to look, to ask, and then let's walk in the good way together. Let's journey with him together. Prepare your heart and mind this week just to hear from him over the next three weeks. My heart and desire, the whole leadership team, we want to hear him and obey him. We just want to listen and obey. So let's stand and ask and look. Then, then let's walk together, refusing to let a bold move pass. Refuse to be someone who sits around and waits for, for something else to be done by someone else. Let's be like the Carpathia who's willing to risk and, and sacrifice their own comfort so that they can be saved. Refuse to be people who Choose comfort over kingdom, like those on the Californian. Refuse to stop loving like Jesus, even when it hurts. Let's refuse to be people who choose not to risk, but choose to be people who obediently risk in bold moves.
Because when we do, there's really no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to what God can do through a, a yielded and purified people. So my invitation for you this week is to simply prepare your heart and mind with the posture and position to refuse to stand by, to refuse to choose comfort. We're gonna step into more worship and the song we're gonna sing is actually an opportunity to declare that posture of refusing to just let stuff go by and let somebody else do it, but to understand when we hear from God to listen and obey means that we move and we move boldly. So as we get ready to do that, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have seen fit to invite us into relationship with you through Jesus. I thank you that in the midst of a world with great complexity, that you pursue us and we can pursue you. You give us a choice. That is beautiful, Father. But again, as I have said, it's a terrifying thing because we can choose not to. We can choose not to walk in it. But I pray, Father, that you would find us to be a people who stand at the crossroads and look, who ask where the ancient path is, who ask where the good way is, and that we boldly walk in it that we would step into those moments in your power and your strength, that you would go before us, that you would receive all glory, honor, and praise. Lord, in this next season, I know you're positioning us as a church for things we have not yet seen, but I pray we would not balk at those moments. I pray that we just hear you and obey you. This is not about specific tasks. This is not even about us. This is, this is about you. This is about your purpose, your power, your provision, your promises. So I pray, Father, you would position us over the next few weeks to hear your voice and we would all collectively, individually step boldly with you in all of those crossroad moments. May we choose to step boldly with you. So Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. We love you. We pray this all in your name. And everybody said, amen.